0: This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by NPM and Liturgical Training Publications. In partnership with the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, Liturgy Training Publications offers The Essentials of Catholic Liturgy, a series of three foundational courses to assist pastoral staff and ministers to gain a greater understanding of the liturgy. Spots are still available to take Track 3 of the Essentials of Catholic Liturgy at the 2022 NPM Convention. To learn more and register today, visit npm.org. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is Episode 203 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy. Produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us today. Before we begin, we want to hear some feedback from you, our listeners. This summer, Ministry Monday will be focusing on parish mergers and its impact on music ministry. We want to know, are you working at a parish that has recently merged, or are you about to merge with another parish? Is your diocese undergoing a consolidation? What are some of the things that best unified your parish's music programs? Or isn't? Or what advice would you wish you had when you were consolidating a music program? Email us with your responses at ministrymonday@npm.org. at npm.org. As we prepare episodes on this topic, we want to hear from you and we would love to feature your story anonymously but on the podcast. Today's Ministry Monday episode explores the changes to the rite of baptism, which most fully went into effect in spring of 2020 during the initial shock and shutdown of the COVID-19 pandemic. Today's conversation begins with Michael Riziki. Michael Rizziki is the Director of Sacred Music and Liturgy at St. Mary of the Lake and Our Lady of Lords Parish in Chicago. Michael is also the Training and Events Manager at Liturgy Training Publications. Today, we examine those changes for the rite of baptism and see how we as music ministers can best embrace them and bring people fuller into the joy of the sacrament. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm speaking to Michael Riziki. Hi, Michael. How are you?
1: Good. Well, good to see you, Amanda. Hello, everyone.
0: Hello. It's good to see you again. Thank you for chatting with us on Ministry Monday again. And today we're going to talk about baptism. When I think of sacraments, I so often think of you because I, I know that I've, I've learned so much from you and some of your megas and your, your, your breakouts from previous conventions. So I was thinking about especially the changes for the rite of baptism that happened a little bit ago, and I thought we'd start there and just just talk about the pastoral and musical needs of baptism, if you're still okay with that.
1: Perfect. Sounds great. Uh, great opportunities, because like Amanda, we uh, since this was promulgated in 2020, we didn't give it its fair time because we went into COVID lockdown. So I think this is a great time to just revisit this wonderful ritual of the church.
0: Good. I think so too. So yeah, let's start right there. So. The changes to the rite for baptism, when did they officially take place?
1: So we were able to start using the new order uh, of baptism. Let me get the title proper, of course, uh, on February 2nd, Presentation of the Lord 2020. Um, The Order of Baptism of Children, OBC. But then we had to start using it by Easter Sunday 2020, which a lot of us were not in community at that point. So Easter Sunday 2020 is when we needed to start using this
0: okay great and so what are some of the changes in the order of baptism of children that we need to be aware about
1: mostly with uh, a lot of our other ritual texts that have been translated it's going to be syntax it's it's uh being more in line with the uh literal translation but i think uh so take a look at the introduction to christian initiation that language is going to be a little different but i think one of the main things for us to consider in addition to maybe some of the acclamations and such at the at the end is there's an additional chapter or or section if you will about incorporating infant baptism in the uh, Eucharistic celebration. So before this, we kind of had to pick and choose, like figure out how to put baptism in Sunday mass. Here, the right lays it out clearly. How are we supposed to do that? That would probably be the most significant change or addition to this ritual.
0: We did offer a survey of our listeners and ask them, what have you been doing in terms of baptism? Are you having it within the liturgy or separate from the liturgy? And that's really interesting because if I, I mean, f- from what I know, Michael, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that's really a-, a parish's choice, correct? You can do either.
1: Yes, absolutely. And even where I go around the country, things change a little bit from the mid-Atlantic to the West Coast, but also it really could change from parish to parish, depending on who the pastor is at the time and, and, and preference and where that community might be. So there's no mandatory, but both, both are options, of course.
0: Mm-hmm before we go into the music part, I want to ask a little bit about baptism. So before we started recording, you and I were chatting about how you know, as just not even as pastoral ministers, but just as family members and loved ones, we go to baptisms, and we experience baptisms. But it might be good to take a minute and talk about really the main, uh, the main themes and the main important things to take away from the rite of baptism for someone who is about to be baptized. So, what do we focus on during that sacrament of baptism?
1: Sure. Um, when we look at that, Amanda, I think um, one of the things that maybe my parents' generation, grandparents' generation, it was it was about you know washing away of original sin and all that kind of stuff, right? But when we look at the general introduction to Christian initiation, we see something um, even even greater, even larger. Uh, incorporation into the church, into the body of Christ, and together we are built up into the dwelling place of God, we ourselves, right? We're bound together to, to, to other Christians who have been uh, baptized, but also uh, one of the things as well, it's an identity moment for us. We have been, we have been anointed Priest, prophet, and king, which has uh, rights, but also responsibilities involved. So it really is so much greater that, that when we're looking at sacramental prep, baptismal prep, all these different components. And then how does our liturgical celebration of this reflect all of that? Priest, prophet, king, incorporation into the body. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how we can do that and how mm-hmm. sometimes we have uh, fallen short of the vision that is placed before us.
0: Mm-hmm. If we have any liturgists listening, maybe even, maybe even DREs listening, things uh, p- people who are working as not just pastoral musicians, um, who want to deepen the understanding of parents who are preparing their child for baptism, what are some of the things that we can really focus on? for catechesis,
1: sure absolutely and amanda w- the way we really approach everything at liturgy training publications is through the right um all the gestures all the ritual actions the signs the symbols the texts is the scripture i think that's where we're really starting with when we look at catechesis and remember when we when we look at, and uh, you've heard me say this it's about preparing celebrating and then reflecting back upon it. So it's not just say, what are the symbols of baptism? And I'll tell you what they mean, but where have we ourselves experienced the light of Christ? Where have we worn our baptismal garment into, into the world and fed the hungry and clothed the naked? So I think there's so many different aspects of it, breaking open the college first. Why do we even do the litany of saints? Um, Amanda, I think one other thing for us to really consider, and and when we're talking about the pastoral needs, is one of the presuppositions, not only for parents or godparents, but anyone who might be attending. The presup I think we could presuppose nothing, that um, and that's a great opportunity for us. Um, I I I see practicing Catholics sometimes, who, are pra- who when they're at the baptism, forget the words to the Lord's prayer because they're in a they're in the front row and they're in front of folks and whatever. So I I think this as an opportunity for evangelization and the new evangelization, but we have to be ready to step up. I have bullet points if you want to chat about that, but I think we have (laughs) such a great opportunity in front of us.
0: I do see in some ways, baptism celebrations being similar in catechesis to even I would say weddings for that reason, because it, it brings a body of people together to support a loved one who's, who's of course receiving a sacrament. But again, they come from so many different backgrounds and so many different faith traditions and so many honestly walks in their own Catholic faith if they're Catholic. And to, to refer to what you just said about the Lord's Prayer, I have experienced before, and I've talked about it on this podcast that um, sometimes when it comes to weddings, which I just had an interview about recently, even the most practicing Catholics can attend a wedding in blank. And the same thing happens for baptism because it's just, it's a great moment to to guide people even who are the most practicing Catholics, because it's something that we don't, we, we don't normally go to baptisms every week. I mean, clergy and maybe some of us do, but probably not all of us.
1: Amanda, let me just jump on that because as you were talking about it, I wrote down the words ritual, And then for some of us, it becomes habitual that we are just going through the motions as ministers. And then I wrote down for the families, whether that marriage couple or here in this situation, parents, godparents, and family, is that this ritual is and ought to be a mountaintop pinnacle celebration of life. So we got to somehow work on the two of these where we're not being habitual about this and going through the motions ourselves and treating this like the true mountaintop celebratory moment that this is for the family. Um, and, I, and I think, and this is, this is where I want to just jump in real quick with, um, it was John Paul uh, in Dies Domini who said that the Sunday Eucharist is the paradigm for all of our other Eucharistic celebrations, but I'm also gonna say sacramental celebrations. So when we look at the Sunday Eucharist being paradigm, we have a presider, we have musicians, we have readers, we have a welcoming committee and and, and, and different ministers, right? Do we have that at our parish baptismal celebrations? Um, That's gonna change everything. And the one bullet point, that I really wanna address, because you said it about weddings. We've seen it, we see it with holy orders and, and whatnot. I'm, I'm inviting us to consider the idea of like an MC for the, the family. Someone who could really help them stand, sit, process, move around so that they could enter into the celebration and let us worry about the choreography, not give them cryptic symbols of like, come up here, turn around, move <laughs> around, do this. So, and that's, that's one of the things I've always done in my parish is who is, if you will, the ritual assistant or MC to to help that family enter in because the musician, the liturgist and the, and the priest have way too much to do. Um, so, not in a, a, a bad way, but we, we are working to make it all happen, if that makes any sense.
0: It does, you know, we, similar to again weddings. And even funerals, I'd say, you know, these these hallmark moments in someone's faith life, mm-hmm. it really to me, it doesn't show any, it doesn't really make a difference whether the, the family, the parents um, practiced their Catholic faith on a weekly basis or not they obviously have enough of a connection that they're saying we we want our child to be the newest member of the Catholic, the the universal Catholic Church, we want that person to be baptized. And so there is a level of trust that we they are bringing to us. And I believe we owe it to them to give them that that, like you said, like that welcoming feeling that welcoming experience, because they will remember that though, especially the parents, because that that makes such a difference, especially as they try and raise a child and try to bring him or her screaming and crying into mass which we all we I mean we could have an episode just about welcoming young families into the liturgy but i do think that the actions that we do to be pastoral for baptisms they may like you said they may feel kind of routine to us but they are anything but
1: yeah amanda consider this uh, think of us with our choirs on sunday and uh imagine if before mass or at rehearsal on Thursday night or whenever, we passed around a congratulatory card to all of our choir members that we are then going to after mass, after the celebration, walk up to that family and invite all of your choir members, go up and say congratulations, that we're not just doing our thing and walking away while they're they're taking pictures. This is a big moment for the church, for our parish communities. And I think it would benefit us if we took the steps, to explicitly articulate our joy when when this is celebrated. And I think while we can't maybe, if we're listening, make decisions for the pastoral staff for this, we can make decisions for what we do in our ministry. You yourself could have a stack of congratulatory cards that you have in your choir bag that you're ready to just fill out and say, welcome to the family. We've got a lot within our own capabilities that don't need to be structured, if you will, uh, by by the parish staff or pastor.
0: Actually, I think that's a great place to transition to look this and look at this from a musical lens, if you will. So, right there, I think that's a great place to start: is to to have that that extension of community offered to those who are being baptized, not just on Easter Vigil, but all the, every time we we celebrate a baptism. But maybe let's say I am a director of music in a parish that has baptisms outside of the liturgy, but my pastor really likes to have some music throughout the the baptism celebration. What are some of the musical considerations in that scenario? We would need to know.
1: Good, I'm, I'm Amanda. I'm going to snap back on this one because I think it's <laughs> when we look at these celebrations, especially outside mass, mm-hmm. music is is one of the presuppositions. It's like it's mm. we shouldn't have to wait for father to invite us we should Uh. we should be looking at this right we would never think of an ordination without music or any of the other sacramental celebrations so let's (laughs) i I didn't want to snap back but right (laughs) there you go so let's let's continue this question through the lens of yes we should have music at at baptisms outside of mass. So Mm -hmm. that could be as simple as a cantor alone. This could be a really good opportunity for maybe some of your younger cantors to get involved. It is kind of these short little acclamations that they could really be good at. Think about the visual, maybe even seeing a high schooler up there as cantor. So if you have an accompanist, and my question would be, and I understand this, I'm a, I, part-time music director myself, but I I would look to think, okay, maybe I don't need to always be at the parish on Wednesday because the good sacramental stuff is happening on Saturday and Sunday. I should be there for that. So now we got the the baptism outside of the liturgy. We go through, Amanda, there is at least a dozen different moments that call for music. Um, However you want to approach it, let me know. But I think the one thing I want to point out for us is what the ritual text says. The celebration of baptism is greatly enhanced by singing to stimulate a sense of unity among those present, to foster common prayer and to express Paschal joy with which the rite should resound. And if any of us have ever been to the Easter vigil, we see Paschal joy on the neophytes. Why would we not want to bring that uh, to our celebrations all around the year? So let me know, Amanda, how you want to walk through, and I am ready for you.
0: Okay, let's start right. Let's just start right at the beginning. You you mentioned there's so many ways. Let's let's start right right at the beginning of the baptismal celebration.
1: Great. So we could start at the door. Uh, the celebration starts at the door with uh, those introductory rites and in the and the questions, and it talks about a, a a suitable psalm or hymn being sung. I uh, think about what's in your parish repertoire i'm not going to give any suggestions because all of these we have in our parish repertoire uh suggests psalm 85 but something like a version of come to the water or something that you may use around isaiah 55 at the easter vigil that's talking about coming to the water right mm-hmm. then we have our celebration of the word and an invitation for uh to sing a psalm psalm 23 we're good with that. Tw- 27, the Lord is my light, my salvation. There's also another alternative version of Psalm 34. You could do taste and see the goodness, but there's this, this acclamation that the refrain they give us, look to him that you may be radiant with joy. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any sung versions, but if there's a composer listening, send it along. I would love, <laughs> love to hear it. And then after that, after the homily, there's an invitation for us to just sing. How many rituals have that where we just sit and reflect on sung prayer? Okay, then when we enter into a little bit more, we have the Litany of the Saints, of course, including the name of your church, the name of the baptized, maybe some godparents and parents, and so forth. Procession to the font, Psalm 23, besides rest, restful waters, he leads me. And then we we go into the part that I think we're really familiar with, the blessing of the water. You could have your acclamations like we, we, we do. Um, after the profession of faith, the I do, I do, I do, you could have a song that expresses faith with one voice. Baptism, blessed be God who chose you in Christ, or sung alleluia. And then we go into the explanatory rites. Um, it, it gives us a... a, a A vision that when the explanatory rites, that's when the garment is placed on the child the candle is lighted and the anointing with chrism is done after that it invites us to do a song but it gives us a specific one that we should look at the canticle of the blessed virgin mary my soul rejoices in god my savior i think every parish has a, a, a version of the magnificat that could just be sung uh if not here's an invitation to do so. So those are just a few rundown items of how we could include music at a celebration outside of mass.
0: Just a few, I mean, the, the, there are so many ways that you can make that, you know, a, a more profound experience through music, which of course we love because that's pastoral musicians is what we hope to do. But let's let's just take a second and I'll admit this openly right now on the podcast, I did not know that Psalm 23 would be a suitable option for baptisms, because if it's just me, it's probably just me, but I think of it as so often done for funerals.
1: Sure, and look at every sign and symbol that we have in baptism. Bring, uh, bringing us back, right, and right. how how beautiful, and I don't think you maybe necessarily even need to do the same arrangement of Psalm 23, but even if right. you do, it's a beautiful connection between mm-hmm. um, an articulation of, of faith and our theology of Christian death, so there's some great opportunities there.
0: I'm so glad you said that. Um, I want to stay on funerals for just one second. Um, one of my favorite connections that's made When I was director of music, prior to taking this job was that the pastor at the job at this at this church would at the beginning of every funeral, of course, say from the right for funerals, see in this white garment, the outward sign of your Christian dignity, but he would explain to the family, before I do this, these are the exact words that were done at so and so's baptism, making that correlation. And I'm sure that to some, it may not be may not feel like a a good thing or a joyous thing to mention death at a baptism. But but you're so right. It so connects the high points and the 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 important moments, the tenets in our faith from birth to death yeah. to new life. Yeah.
1: Amanda, one story I tell and I'm going to be using it uh at an MPM convention this summer, but it's about the white garment. In in one of my previous parishes, we had a white garment ministry Mm. where people of the parish uh, created white garments to give to the, to the children that were being baptized. And I tell this story about, imagine if somehow maybe that white garment uh, was then incorporated into that child and that person, individual's spiritual life and, 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 and full life throughout the world uh, throughout their life. Right. Meaning incorporate that white garment into first communion outfit confirmation, wedding, and and so forth, maybe even an alb for ministry, and then at the end of life, if that garment was then placed on their coffin, what the vision of, of this could all, uh, well, th- what the vision says, the vision of the rites say to us, but um, we, you're right, it, probably baptismal prep, I'm not going to go start talking about, let's look at the funeral rite, but <laughs> I, you could hearken back. I think that's even something like the Litany of Saints invites us to do. Of, of, right? So there are great opportunities. Exactly.
0: So musically, obviously, as you just alluded to before, there are plenty of opportunities to deepen that experience. There. Um, what if we currently minister in a church that doesn't take advantage of these musical opportunities? How can we? kind of find some some conversation there with our, our liturgy team our clergy um, so that it becomes something that we can offer in our music ministry but to be real also not add you know 70 more baptisms to our schedule because we all know that you know it could also be an addition of responsibilities for us so how do we best approach it
1: No, oh, that's that is a great point and and i think that's one of the things that we could be doing um annually semi-annually is take a sacrament at a time or a ritual celebration and sit around the table amanda so often people are saying what do i do with my liturgy committee well get a copy of the order of baptism for children read through the introduction read through the right and say now how does our parish celebrate this um and you're right it's, it's maybe including 12 acclamations now is going to be culture shock for our community, (laughs) but singing that song, hallelujah after the baptism and, and maybe something at the end, you have put on Christ and him, you have been baptized. So taking those small steps, but Amanda, I I do believe it has to be, we set a special time set apart to just discuss this, break it open and pray with it. Imagine if we ourselves just kind of created a little, celebration of the word a liturgy the word service for ourselves for for our committees faith formation and and liturgy and parish staff and say you know what one saturday morning we're going to gather for a little nine to noon retreat and then break open so that we may celebrate this fully um if not schedule 45 minutes on a staff meeting. But we can't have these discussions in passing. Uh, we can't have them in the sacristy before or after a baptism. If we are going to do liturgy with intention, then we have to be doing intentional liturgy, which includes mm. intentional preparation and reflection.
0: I love that. I love that. And again, that's such a good point. Because we can't you know let's let's just say we have a baptism at I don't know one o'clock after the last mass we can't at twelve fifty five say, "Hey, Father, real quick, can we talk real quick? maybe on the next baptism can we do this like no they, I think that does a disservice to what we can do yeah,
1: yep, and and with that as well is when we do have those conversations or you have a team where maybe those conversations aren't taking place, is what mm-hmm. does our ritual script look like mm-hmm. um i, I some people debate whether you should even have like a ritual binder. I do, but I include the the music pieces directly into the script so that the presider is not skipping over this or that or whatnot. So I think it is the clarity in which we communicate with ourselves. But maybe maybe Amanda Kazava is a theater major. I really look at the choreography and the scripting and how this all interplays. But you're right, twelve fifty-five in the sacristy, or. One thirty-five after it's done is yeah. not the time to discuss this
0: right right well I could nerd out with you about this for a lot longer but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look forward about um we're going to look forward towards a time that this conversation can continue because thankfully you are a part of NPM's convention this summer and actually like you said, some of your conversation is actually going to be touching a little bit on this. So one of the breakouts you're doing, for example, is signs and symbols of the initiation sacraments. So can you give us an idea of what that will be covering?
1: Sure. Uh, and and the, the subtitle of that is lessons on discipleship from the ritual. So just how we started this conversation, Amanda, every ritual action, every text, every acclamation, sign and symbol says something about how we are supposed to live as baptized christians in this world so when we gather this summer we're going to take that opportunity and and look at all those different components and say now while we're hoping for a beautiful celebration on at the parish level how are we equipping this child and the family to live as missionary disciples and it's right there in the right It's just time to to break it open and and uh go a little deeper with it i think
0: i feel like every year when when you talk about that i think we should have a session called breaking open the Right" because i feel like we we talk about it so often but um if we wanted to go one step deeper at the convention i do want to mention too you're you're a part of quite a few things at this year's convention but i just want to highlight one more if someone's listening and they want to go a little bit deeper we are offering the essentials of catholic liturgy track three at the convention so how can someone take advantage of that at this year's convention
1: yeah amanda having this institute available at the in-person convention is just a great opportunity this really does dive much deeper into um the vision for liturgy and life and discipleship um you know even some of the things uh, the sessions if you will of ecl essentials of catholic liturgy track three go with this liturgy and ours celebrante, the art of celebrating so how do we celebrate baptisms and such liturgy and evangelization the, the connection between what we're doing and literally making disciples We talk about liturgy and catechesis, some of the things we've been mentioning here about a liturgical catechesis that is based in our rituals. Um, So I think we have um, just a a, a great opportunity to um, and I know it's taking place mostly on Monday and a few little times throughout the week. but. I guarantee you will be both both, um, mentally exhausted, but spiritually exhilarated by diving (laughs) deeper um, into um, the vision and the power that the liturgy has in our communities.
0: That alone would be a great takeaway for the convention, really. I mean, it'd be renewing and transformative and I'm pretty sure that's the theme for this year's convention. So I think that that would work out well.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, Michael, this was always such a treat to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time and your joy on this topic. I so appreciate it. Um, I look forward very much to your participation and your talent and your spirit at this year's convention. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. And I hope to see many of you uh, in Louisville this summer. When he calls on me
0: Thanks so much to Michael for his time today. For more information on this topic and how to sign up for the 2022 NPM convention and continue learning on this topic with Michael, check out the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. Registration for the convention ends on June 20th. The recording of When He Calls on Me was produced by GIA Publications, and today's theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.
1: Yeah sure.